Special thanks to everyone who pledged money to crowdfund the show this week, including Matt Lacey, David Walker, Tim Edwards, Zilliko Elia, Andy Hagen, Jamie Holland, Roland Roberts, Ian Wilkinson, Alistair Harding, Dan Lane, Ian Mercer and John Balshaw. There's a full list of our supporters on 361podcast.com, along with information on how to help us for as little as $1 per episode via Patreon. Hello and welcome to 361, a weekly podcast about mobile tech and the world around it. My name is Ben Smith. I'm Ewan McLeod. And I'm Rafe Blanford. This is Season 14, Episode 7, and this week we're catching up with your questions and feedback. We've got some follow-up on our recent Smart Home episode. Plus, we're looking ahead to the world's largest mobile event, Mobile World Congress. Welcome back, chaps. How are you doing? Very well, oh, thank come you. on. It's hey. snow day here. Is it? Oh, very oh, yeah. exciting. Yeah, yeah. So yes, weather, report, weather report from Copenhagen. Okay, it is dark. This is true. <laughs> and, For the uh, it's, time. I it's think you're doing very, that deliberately now. Oh, well, it's very, very snowy today. Okay. It's very exciting. How snowy is very snowy? Because we, on the TV, they said it was very snowy in England the other day. And what they meant is there's a light. You know, icing, Dusting. sugar, frosting, yeah, of, of us. No, now. there is about an inch, and that's come down in about three hours, and we are going to get 10 inches maybe, they reckon, um, wow. overnight. Fair enough. Yeah. And Because we, we're in the midst of Storm Doris here Doris. as we record this, yes. which is an embarrassing name for a storm. And it's causing it all the trains to be late and it it, things it, to fall over. It literally... Like chairs on balconies. It's it very li- serious. literally blew my glasses off on the way here. Wow. Wow. No, there you go. The strong Gosh. wind. Yeah. So uh, how is Copenhagen? It's delightful. We're getting signs, apart from the snow, we're getting signs of spring. Oh, right. Which is exciting. really nice. Yeah, and what coming are those signs? The winter. They say spring sale coming soon. Okay. Good. Very literal. Very um, No, it's getting lighter in the morning. You know, that kind of almost spring thing. Right. Yeah. Well, we're, we're approaching March 1st, St. David's yeah. Day, daffodils. It's all going to be very exciting. Exactly. So uh, we, well, first of all, apology, we've been away for a bit, which was sort of unplanned in the same way that publishing those episodes recently in the wrong order was, uh, was, was not planned. But uh, for important, I think as I explained at the time, for important operational reasons, and uh, obviously we can't divulge <laughs> those, but uh, not at all a cock up and indeed not delayed just by lack of uh, availability. So it is, it is. We, so how are you, all, by the way? Well, I'm good. I'm good. Yeah. yeah. I've, I've chopped a bit of my finger off, which so you can look, I'm just showing you on the camera there. Yeah. Uh, I've chopped a bit of my what, finger off. What happened there? Well, children, what I would suggest is when I'm doing a, I was uh, opening a, a tin can of food. Baked beans. You know they've yeah. got sharp edges when you do that, Ben. You know, Rafe, I had forgotten. Oh. Uh, and I was reminded in a fairly Excellent. painful way. Yeah, so uh, oh, don't, don't, don't do that. It, it's not, it's a bit hurty. Yes, so, so I've got slightly less finger than I started with. But okay. uh, right. yeah, on the plus side, I don't get to boast about being the one who's good at opening cans anymore, which is the mm. activity I was literally engaged in at the time as I nearly sliced my finger off. So. Oh dear! Uh, sorry, how is uh, Blandy, by the way? How is Blandy? He he looks he looks well. He looks yeah. better than normal. I, yes. I, I mean, I don't know if you can see over the camera, but anyway, Rafe, do you want to speak for yourself? Uh, I'm very well, thank you, and I appreciate you asking as well. Okay, okay. good. So uh, enjoying your new hairstyle as well. 
It's, it's just a little bit longer. You and has been quaffed now with, with executive level hair. You know, previously, you just had regular <laughs> management grade hair, but now. No, that's now a CDO you, level. You've, yeah. Got, yeah, you've, you've got hair befitting the C suite, as they say. I, 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 tell, you, I tell you what, I, I actually. I think the grade I'm percentage having, has gone up as well. Yeah, there is a lot of grey. Uh, I actually was awake at three o'clock in the morning. Wow. Uh, I, as in, I couldn't get to sleep the other night because of my concern around our. Um, Various different operational things going on here in Nordea. It's just, you know, getting stuck into it. I've had to use um, wax. You know, the, you know the, 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 the wax on the hair. Right. That's you put product the, in um, your hair. Wait, wait, uh, product. Wait, wait. When you say right. you have to, you, what things that, you know, what to stop the, it falling um, out? The, it's the just Danish, like a requirement. The Danish hairdresser chappy said, no, you, you can't. Because I said, look, just cut it short as normal. Yeah. Management grade, basically. Right? Management grade hair. He said, yeah. no, 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 we don't do that here. We don't uh, do that. Yet. I think you'll sorry. find he, he wasn't a, he wasn't a hairdresser. He was a stylist. I think that's what uh, you'll find. No, sorry, you're right. He was a stylist. Yeah. There we go. So uh, we've been away for a few weeks, and uh, so we've decided that we're going to just do a quick catch-up episode on all our news, um, what's going on. And uh, as we recalled this, we're just on the opening uh, to MWC. That kicks off on Saturday, a few days from yes. now. So this will be going out whilst MWC is on, but we thought we'd just have a quick look ahead to all that's coming in MWC. So we get caught up, and then next week, back to our regular scheduled programming uh, again, you know, for having, having had that brief pause for important yes. operational reasons. But before we do, uh, you and Cloud, I have got a treat for you. Okay. So what I'd like you to do is, uh, yes. do, you have your, do you have a smartphone? Are I have one. You? Yes, yes. Right, because if you don't, you're not allowed to be on the podcast anymore. No, I got it. Um, and, and I'd like you to open Instagram, and I'd like you to navigate yourself to Rafe Blanford's Instagram feed. In- and if you're follow if you're playing along at home, Instagram.com forward slash Rafe Blanford. Uh, what is this? Now, there you go. That's the correct answer. So I'd just like you to watch the first video in Rafe Blanford's what feed. What is he doing? All right, I see Rafe Blanford and a duck house and a boat. No, it's not a boat. Is he in, is he in the water? Yes. That's Blanford in the water pushing. So could you? What is that? For people at home who don't have the opportunity to see what you are seeing, can you just paint a picture with words? Well, uh, the, uh, underneath it says, Rafe Blanford floating the duck house to the island. Incidentally, must remember to do my expenses. Yeah. That, so that, that's his description. That, right? Now, that's a good comedy politician's joke if, you, um, if you're not familiar with uh, the UK politicians and the expenses so to what, handle. But what I can see is I yeah. can see the Blanford Lake. Yeah, um, and I can see Rafe in his fishing gear. It looks yeah. like he's in his way. I mean, he is really deep. I that looks like it's gone everywhere, Rafe. It, that's it, chest really deep, deep, isn't it? Yeah, it is way past. I think that's nipple deep. Nipple deep. That actually, deep. I, I didn't want to use the technical and term. But it looks like he is there. he is floating a wooden, like I, I would call that a hut. Yes, like you I, know a a like a, where you put your lawnmower. I would say like an oversized doll's house. Yes. There He's floating over to, I presume, an island. Yeah, within inside the said lake, and I think is that your father in the background there, Blanford. It is, and he See? he is he's he's pointing out to Blanford uh, to the young to Blanford Junior. Blanford the yeah. second, third, or whatever. Yeah, he's got a boat though. It seems he took the boat and you walked, Blanford. I don't actually understand why this has caused such interest. Because the basic story is here: there was ducks and geese have decided that the island is a nicer place to make their home. Quite understandably, waterfront property. And so their house needed moving out there. It wouldn't fit in the boat without the boat tipping over. 
Yeah. And unfortunately, the waders weren't big enough, and so I had to go into the water with just sort of clogs Ballsy. on. Yeah. And it was quite cold, but I was therefore floating the house out Are so you, it could have be you got relocated. Waders? Have you got no, waders no, I, on there? I'm in swimming trunks and clogs. It's uh, you, see, clogs. you see, Ewan, what it looks like to you and me is yeah. somebody exhibiting their privilege by floating a duck house on the internet. But Rafe's just explained <laughs> to us, it's just basically a, a, a simple real estate transaction. The ducks wanted a waterfront <laughs> property. We simply needed to relocate them. I, I mean, I thought I was being quite nice to them. Well, indeed. You I cannot mean, make this stuff up here, Bradford. Who li- filmed it? You literally can't. That was my mum behind the camera. There we go. So, so There we go. Probably showing way more personal details than I ever thought I would on 361 Podcast. So two things before we get back to the business of mobile, which I feel is a long, long time ago now. One, never, ever tell us that the Blanford Estate myth isn't true because you float duck houses around the place. And two, if you'd like to see this video and you haven't had a chance to, uh, go to Rafe Blanford's Instagram feed, which I have to say is a treat. You need to follow Rafe Blanford on Instagram. Just get yourself to 361podcast.com and what we'll do is we'll embed that video in in this week's episode feed. I'm zooming in, but I can't work out. What is the name of the book, Rafe? One More Drop. Okay. And then... The the HMS One More Drop. (laughs) What is the name? I can just see... It says something cottage. I can't make out the name of the... Because there's a sign on the dock house. This used to be my sister's Wendy house. Ah, And it's called Wildflower Cottage. Okay. Well, I hope the ducks enjoy their new home. So, Rafe, you do not help yourself. <laughs> you I, re- I, 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 so I don't really understand. I just share some common interests on Instagram, like concrete telegraph poles and a few things. And it's a big pond. It's not a lake. And it's I not part of the Blanford Estate. You know, I, Is there I, actual just, audio? You know, no audio. Just the gentle lapping sound of the waves against Rafe Blanford. And the okay. odd quack. And the odd quack. <laughs> well, you've literally, yeah, anyway, there's just so many, so many quack jokes and so little time. Okay, so we should get back to mobile. Let's do things of the week. You and McLeod, do you have any mobile things of the week? Or I do. Story I, things to um, share? I am rocking a Huawei P9. Ooh, um, very nice. Yeah, yeah, very, very good. Give um, us the 30-second consumer review. Well, I have the, the Mate 8. I have been really, really enjoying. And this is the Mate, sorry, not P9. This is the Mate 9. Oh, I the don't, know, the one, I don't the, know the difference. It, am I getting it right? Yeah, um, the one with the Leica camera. Oh, yes, the Leica yeah. camera. It's very nice. It's gorgeously engineered. Power at the battery is taking me through the whole day. That's with quite a lot of usage. I think that the one ca- was done by Porsche Design, was it? Or is it is different? a Porsche. It, yes. Yeah. When I signed in with Google, it said, "Oh, you know, you have had a device signed in. It's a Huawei Porsche Design." There yeah. we go. Yeah. Uh, nice. It has accessed your account. Uh, I'm really liking it. It's very fast, uh, smooth, and of course the camera is just brilliant. They've done a really, really nice job with that. And uh, unfortunately Android, but apart from that, nice. I nearly, yeah. when, I, when we did the Android Challenge a while back, mm. they weren't out, but after I'd done the Android Challenge, I sort of wavered for a while and thought, oh, maybe I ought to get a uh, an Android device to have in the bag all the time. And mm. that one mm. that one was on the list, but I have to say at the time they were in short supply because they were new. So they've been out a little while now, so they're pretty easy yeah. to get. Yeah, yeah. Rafe Blanford, any mobile-type news from you? Uh, so I think I can talk about a gadget that I've just bought I'm going to take out to MWC with me, which is the Ricoh Theta S, which is a 360-degree camera. Uh, it can do stills and videos. People talk about taking surroundings while they're at events. They shouldn't, though, because that's a silly term. I'm inclined to agree, but I kind of like the idea of having an alternative perspective on you know those pictures you always take at the events to show everyone what you're doing. 
But of course, you can also play this back through a VR headset and sort of have 360-degree video. It's kind of widely supported on the social channels now. So I thought it would be an interesting way just to capture some multimedia that was a bit different to the hundreds of Instagram or still images. Well, and let's face it, Instagram is really only best served for, for serving up duck house pictures as well. Well, there, there is that as well. So I'll, I'm going to report back on that in the future because actually it's one of those things that's been quite a hot topic recently. And it's got down to the point where, you, you know, they've been available for a little while now, but the sort of low-end consumer device, and I say low-end because it's still a couple of hundred quid, yeah. is now also accessible to the mass market. And also you've got the you know, support for actually viewing it on various devices and in social streams and that kind of thing. One question. Mm-hmm. If it's a 360 camera, how do you hold it and not be in the picture? So that's the tricky bit. The answer is you can't. You either have to hold it above you and you sort of appear as a splodge at the bottom or you have to control it remotely, which you can do via Wi-Fi direct from a, a smartphone. There we go. You don't put it on your head. I, well, yeah, I want you to mount it on the top of your head and yeah. walk around MWC recording. Yes, I, I think we might be looking at doing something a little bit different than that. But thank you for that suggestion. There we go. Okay. So you, ben, what about you? Uh, News? I am wearing my thing that I have uh, recently purchased. So I have got some Beats X. Oh, you've gone all cool. Are these with the W1 chip? So these are, yeah, so there are three sets of headphones now you can buy, no, four sets of headphones now you can buy with the W1 chip in, and I'm going to get the names wrong, so feel free to slag me off in the comments. Obviously, there's the AirPods, which are Apple's gizmos. We talked previous episode about we have some issues with the way they look. Everyone I know who has them really loves them, but I I just can't get over the way they look at the moment. And I had the same reaction as you, you and when I saw them. So, you know, and and it's not rational and I should get over it. Then there's the Beats X and then there's the Power Beats and the Power Power Beats Beats 3. Headphones. Is that the... Yeah, I think think there's there's two. There's some in-ear sports headphones, Power Beats something or other, and some Power Beats over-the-ear ones. But effectively, Beats will sell three different types of W1 chip in. But for me, these were the only ones that I wanted because they're the only ones that charge from lightning. They're the only ones that are like regular headsets without any sporty attachments, and they're really quite small. They've got a fast charge on, which works quite well. They've got the W1 chip. I wouldn't buy any Bluetooth headsets that don't have the W1 chip in. So all in all, they're quite good. They've taken an age to come onto the market. They're months, months late. The only downside, I think, is that the audio quality is Beats audio quality, which means if you want to listen to thumping bass music, it's fine. If you want to listen to Mm, anything else, mm, mm, yeah, mm. it's it's a little bit bassy for my taste. But then I listen to mostly podcasts because podcasts are the best thing in the world. So it's not bad for spoken audio. And quite a few people that I've rang have said that I sound quiet. I think the microphone is not possibly angled in the best place to pick up your voice. But yeah. it's good enough, certainly for now. So I'm quite pleased with those. There you had go. some trouble activating them, though, right? Yep. So I went to the Apple shop and picked them up, which was very exciting. And then I got on the train to go home from that London where I work to my house. And I sat on a very crowded train and I couldn't get them to pair up because the whole thing about W1 is that you turn them on, the thing pops up on your phone because you're nearby. It says, do you want to pair them? It's all completely integrated and it's an amazing experience and it wouldn't pair. just kept failing or wasn't showing up on my phone. And eventually the guy sat opposite me and went, uh, could you stop doing that? Because your headset's trying to pair with my phone. And I realized that everybody in the area around me with iPhones was getting the popping up, do you oh, want to no. these headphones? So I was disturbing about five or six people in the little bay I was sitting on the train. And that's why it wasn't connecting to mine, because it, it was connecting to far too many devices. Right. So I had to give that up. Now, later on the train journey, when it, the train cleared out and I was sat on my own, gave it another try and it worked. But 
there's the moral of the story. Until you've paired your headphones, don't use them in a crowded place because you'll and upset everyone. How much are these? So these are 129.95 in the UK. They're a bit pricey. They're definitely pricey. Like I've mm. got some really nice B&O in-ear headphones that cost about that. Yeah. And they are much, much better audio quality, although they're very fragile and I've broke them already. But when they work, like when you've got them turned on and they're working, it's amazing not to have the Bluetooth bit is amazing. Like it really is high value, definitely good for commuting. No more earphones getting ripped out of your ears and all this kind of stuff. And, um, you know, I think that makes them more robust as well because all the ones I've damaged recently is because they've got, they've fallen on the floor or they've got pulled or snagged on something or yanked and the cable's broken. So maybe they'll last a bit longer. But yeah. Does that mean that you will be buying AirPods or not? I don't know. I still have an aesthetic issue. I think what I might do is put up with those for now and then wait till the next version of the AirPods come out or until everybody's wearing them and you don't, you don't look at people and go, meh, anymore. <laughs> I'm less worried about losing them now because I've realised that the only reason that headphones fall out is because the cable pulls them out. And I think now with the Bluetooth ones, just even sitting behind your neck, you know, they don't fall out at all. So I'm much more comfortable with the idea of having just a tiny little headphone wedged in my ear. But I still think they look naff. So, you know, I'll come back to it. But, you know, obviously opinions on that vary and it's not a rational kind of thing. I just haven't. I I think I will buy some soon because I still want to experience it properly. Get the Beats X. They're the sort of the the compromise, I suppose. Mm, Okay. Okay. We had emails. Oh, that's very exciting. I know. We've had some emails. So I think it'd be worth addressing the emails. Let's do it. Okay. About our home automation episode. Oh, yes. Atma, I think. Atma. How is it spelled? A-T-M-A. Okay. He's emailed, and he's emailed a really long email. I'm really tempted, actually, just to put it up on the site. I'll, I'll, I'll email him back and ask if we can. But he's been saying he's been getting really big into security cameras recently, Ooh. and the kind of we talked about those in the last episode. And the he's Arlo just and so on, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's he's talked through, and he's tried the Withings Home, he's tried the Canary, yes. he's tried Ooh. the Piper, he's tried the Arlo, he's tried the Fleur FX, and he actually reckons that all of them, the Fleur FX, is the best but he's looking forward to the Arlo one. And he's saying that actually sort of motion triggering and those sorts of things, you know, motion triggering is really important. He's looking at to hook his systems up to his LIFX, 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 smart smart bulbs bulbs as well. And he was saying that um, he really likes the home automation hubs by Vera and Fibaro for plugging those things together. So he's obviously gone through loads. And I mean, it's it's interesting because he's got loads of pros and cons for each one. And, it just sort of reminds me how immature those products are now because actually quite a lot of the things that he's putting up as cons are just the products not quite working as well as you'd like. And, you know, certainly I've had a few niggles in real everyday use with my Canary ones. So I think this is an area that's improving. But what I was going to say is if you've tried out any home automation stuff and you've had a proper long-term review and you want to let us know what it's like in real world, not just in a kind of a, a, a magazine type test. Do let us know. So he's advocating the Fleur FX, but he also says that there are some new Arlo systems available, full HD with faster motion triggering coming soon. So uh, it's definitely an area that's improving. Well, I'll look for them. Cool. So how are, you, how are you getting on with your Arlos in the meantime, Ewan? Yeah, went away skiing a little while ago and had my Arlos up and ready, and it was just wonderful. They weren't triggered at all, which is obviously positive. I did pop in now and again just to check that, that everything was fine. I'm really liking them. And let me do a battery check. Let's do a battery. We are, 
Where are we? Let me bring it up and see. I'm going to do the front door one. Do you remember last time we said we're now basically March? Is that right? Or- yeah. Yeah. Now, have you, have you had any reliability? Because Atma says that he had an issue where they had lots of cameras recording and they all recorded the same picture. You know, when, when he view or when he went back to view it, he was just getting one video rather than the nope, four different nope, cameras. No, I've got four different videos. Okay. Always. The front door is on 75% now. Cool. 75%. So that aligns with the kind of that six-month battery yeah. life that we, we yeah. talked about. And it is interesting that Arlo does have that roadmap ahead of them. And it's, they're also offering or they're integrating wired cameras as well for those who want both on that same system. Does it bother you that there's no sound on yours, Ewan? It, now and again, it does. But no. Now and again, I think, oh, it'd be nice to hear the sound. But it, no, it's about, about the image. That's the service I'm, I'm really enjoying. Cool. I'm going to check out the Fleur FX, actually, because he, um, yeah, he, well. Atma's rated them, and he reckons that the Arlo second best, the Fleur FX are best. So thanks for your email. It's a really, yeah, really in detail. We're going we're gonna to share it up, but it's really nice to see some people who have actually tried these things in depth. And it's also worth talking about the Fibaro system that he mentioned. They actually make a lot of uh, sensors that are Zigbee or Z-Wave compatible, and I actually use a couple of them in my home, and I found that they tend to be just a little bit higher quality and some of the things provided by smart things in terms of reliability and battery life and just you can actually control the sensitivity they also had a couple more sensors inside them so in that sense they were slightly better value for money i have looked at their hub but decided that i didn't really want to invest in another one but for those that are willing to tinker a bit i think some of the hubs provided by the specialists in this space of which Fibaro could definitely be described as one are well worth looking at so other emails, we should probably mention some of those as well, Ben. Uh, this one's from, on the iPad there. From Simon, uh, in response to episode six, and have we come across If This Then That, which works with most of the home automation system? It's pretty much based around trigger events and lets you put the uh, smart into home automation. Well, Simon, I'm glad you asked, because yes, we have, haven't we, you and McLeod? And we've, we've we been have indeed. Oh, yes. big fans of if this, if this Then That for some time. I mean, long before they had any home automation stuff. You used it to send tweets and trigger alerts and put data yeah. in Google spreadsheets and that kind of stuff. But Rafe, I thought when I saw Simon's email, I thought back to the conversation we had back when we did the Smart Home Challenge about the difference between local triggering and cloud triggering. Yeah, that's absolutely mm. right. So I would actually say there's kind of three things that you can talk about. There's that local triggering, which happens in the Smart Hub. And actually, things like motion sensors and light bulbs will generally work like that and actually don't require an internet connection. And then other integrations are what I'd refer to as cloud to cloud. And so that's things like integrating with uh, a Netamo weather station where actually it connects from, in my case, a smart things cloud into a Netamo cloud in order to control and get information from the weather forecast. But actually a lot of the thermostats operate in that way. And then the kind of the third one is cloud via a third party to another cloud. And that's an example for if this, then that. And you find quite a lot of these services do integrate with if this, then that. It's become almost like a, a hub cloud. A central one, yeah. Uh, a central one, but that's actually the slowest form in terms of integration because it has to go through more pieces. And so while if this, then that is great because it extends the range of things that are supported, and I've used it for a couple of products which otherwise wouldn't talk to each other, it's great for that and also for doing the more complex rules because you can combine multiple things together. You can create recipes on if this, then that. But also it's pretty helpful for doing reporting and things like that. So if you want to keep track of, say, the security alerts or the activity of maybe a door opening and closing and write that into a Google sheet, 
that's where if this then that really stands out for me and that's what i'm using for with uh, smart things so i've actually have all the entrance and exit through my front door recorded but if this then that into a google sheet and you know in theory if there was a problem excuse from i'll be able to see that record it also just quite helpful from a kind of slightly data geek point of view to see what time i'm leaving and coming back to the house as well realizing that i'm actually out more than i ever thought i was so I, I love if this, then that for trying out new ideas, connecting stuff up. But I think my problem is that there's no service level. You yeah. I mean, you go on about service levels, but oh, yes. you don't know it's going to trigger. You don't know how long it's going to take. And certainly that cloud to cloud stuff. When I was first messing about with the automated home things, I inadvertently set up some cloud to cloud triggering on some lighting. And it feels really weird to wait even a few seconds, let alone 30, 40 seconds for something to trigger. I suppose in your case, you don't mind if it takes a minute for your spreadsheet to be updated. And it's probably not a terrible disaster if it doesn't track it at all, because it's a sort of a fun integration. Yeah. But you wouldn't want it to be integral to a, a bit of the system, like your, your cameras, Ewan. You wouldn't want your notification of an intruder to come via this third-party service. So that, no, that's, what I, no. that's what I say. It's great for that kind of passive stuff but if you want it to be active and dynamic cloud to cloud in general is a bit problematic and if this then that i mean sometimes response time can be anything up to 15 minutes that said mm-hmm. you know actually it's quite a good way to bring notification into the smart home so yeah if you've got a particular news headline so it could be kind of a news flash or weather or even sort of you know some kind of google headline alert or twitter alert that you then want to have a light bulb flash red you're not that bothered by it being a couple of minutes late or, you know, you can do other things with it as well. So you can set up things around timings for sunrise and sunset. Now, most of the hubs have that built in. But if this, then that sort of, I think, gets to some of those niche cases. But yeah, if you press a button in the home or expect something to happen instantaneously, anything that has to go out to the web becomes a little bit problematic. And it is just quite fragile because those systems just have a few more components that can fall over. Ewan McLeod, another email in from friend of the show, Mark Hawkins, who's written in before. Mm -hmm. So thanks, Mark. Mm -hmm. And I I need to uh, acknowledge your email. Sorry, but we're obviously it's good because we're talking about it. (laughs) When we talked about the smart home episode, how many of those little hubs and extra gizmos do you have plugged into your router at home? Can you remember? Go and count them off for us. Uh, Right. So I've got the Apple TV, the Amazon Fire. I've got the smart things. Smart things. I've got the Arlo. That's a router in itself. Yep. I've got the UK VPN thing. Oh yeah, so that's five. Yeah. Uh, the light uh, view. I've got view. Oh, Hugh. The, 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 Hugh. Sorry, Hugh. Hugh bulbs. Six. Hugh, Hugh bulbs. Yeah. Have you got There's like more. A, Have you got a NAS or any storage? Uh, no, no, no. I've got a Sonos. Okay, seven. I've got the Vonage. The Eight. VoIP. Yeah. Wow. You're a big fan of the early 2000s, aren't you? <laughs> it's actually really good, especially when I'm in Denmark, right? It works, actually, it works anywhere. Tip for listeners at home. You, when Ewan says, actually, it's a quite good, you can tell he's on the back foot. No, yes. no, no, I have the good tech, actually. Because well, it didn't, it wasn't, the first generation was horrifying, but okay, this, this one wow. is excellent. I'm at eight, I think. Is there anything else? Nearly 10. Yes. I had an eight port hub, but I've not had to upgrade that. So yeah. well, basically, that's kind of the point of Mark's email. And Mark, I'm going to summarize, but what Mark was saying was like, all of these things need a little hub of their own and home is quickly getting cluttered. And you're saying, well, surely at some point people are going to start to sell one box to do all the jobs. Because he says, for most people, 
when you get your internet connection, you get the box that does the Wi-Fi and the routing. You get your modem and your router and everything. And most people find that good enough. Why would it not be the case now that somebody else will sell you a box that does all the other jobs? Because it's, it is silly and not sustainable to have every device need its own little hub. Mm. I mentioned my board behind the TV. Yeah. And, you know, I was just thinking that I was my list. So I've got Apple TV. I've got my Zigbee connection to my smart meters for my gas yep. and electric. I've got a Raspberry Pi to do some routing. I've got smart things. I've got Sonos, the same as you. Well, actually, my cameras are all Wi-Fi with no hub, but at least five or six. So, you know, perhaps we are slightly ahead of the curve, but lots of people will have them. And, and actually, the point he makes is that quite a lot of people now are getting like storage devices at home. They're mm-hmm. not, a, not an uncommon thing to have yep. for your photos. And quite a lot of people are getting like relatively smart DVR type under the TV boxes that are going to play media. Sky have launched some smart ones in the UK that will stream around your house over, a, yep. over your Wi-Fi connection. So what do you reckon? Is that going to happen or is this stuff all too integrated, Rafe? Well, I mean, I draw a distinction between appliances of which I put the Sonos and things like your Canary cameras in one category. And I think those are just going to multiply and some of them will be very visible because there'll be new devices in the home. But a lot of them will be invisible because they're just things that you're adding, you know, that you have anyway, like a smart fridge or a TV, because none of us mentioned the TV, but all of those are probably connected to the router, you know, smart TVs. So kind of invisible plus new appliances, but definitely around those kind of hub boxes. And, you know, the Philips Hue is a good example. They have a, a dedicated one that feels a bit unnecessary. Why is that not combined into my broadband router? Yeah. And, you know, things like um, the DVD boxes or the PVRs or those counters appliances, even if they're plugged in in the same place. Mm-hmm. But when you start thinking about your Raspberry Pi and things like that, it does feel a bit unnecessary. I do think they will be consolidated a little bit, but for those of us who are kind of early adopters or keen on trying out new things, those are always going to be around. I have seen both Netgear, TP-Link and a couple of others have produced um, home broadband routers that have Zigbee and Z-Wave and Bluetooth built into them. So theoretically, they could replace all of those hub-like smart things and like you. But the trouble is, the hardware is just one component. There's also the software. And actually, in order to have these products work reliably, they often rely on their own software. So you can't just have, you know, Philips Hue inside any box that's got Zigbee or Z-Wave, unfortunately. I mean, it would be nice if you could. I think we're a little bit further away from that. You know, I think that will happen. And I think maybe um, future versions of the BT Home Hub, which is the kind of national telephone provider here in the UK, will provide things like that, but they're always going to be the basic version. The national telephone provider. Yeah, that was... If you think Rafe is correct about that, please email in, because that's going to be a smaller number of people. But right. the, the previous previous UK monopoly telecom yes, supplier, which now has the majority of the home broadband yes, market the, was sort of the what you meant telecoms provider for for the other for landlines in yeah. the uk well i yes i think that you can uh, nearly everyone can do better than bt yeah I, uh, a while ago i kick-started the cube the n cube uh, no, oh I that was received a, it yeah actually that was a smart home that was a smart yes, home hub wasn't smart it? home hub but it supports 70 different devices sonos nest U, wemo lifex aeon labs z-wave etc etc I did actually kickstart that, but I haven't. I never received it. Fair enough. Well, remember, kids, things on Kickstarter aren't yeah, real. Exactly. And, it, and it's worth saying, even when they can support it, I mean, Samsung Smart Things can actually support all the Philips Hue light bulbs without you yes. having a Hue hub. 
but I choose to have a Hue Hub because it gives me some extra features. I think in, in the short term, all these products are going to be so sort of bespoke that they're going to need their own hubs, but I do find it appealing. Or alternatively, I, I like the idea that homes will have electronics closets where these things can go as well, that, that you know, kind of it'll just become the norm to have a convenient place oh. to put all these things because it's not unusual to see people with a rack of boxes next to their TV with a DVR and a DVD player or a hi-fi of components, and yet these things will become as important I think, in the home. You know, I've seen a couple of early concepts and indeed products from companies who basically put the controllers and the relays in the electrical wiring and then actually have the smart bit in the fuse box. Mm. And actually, if there's a pattern I see happening for the smart home, it's probably that, that you'll have things stashed in something like the fuse box. You will use the existing wiring for communications and that will be augmented by some of these wireless technologies of which Wi-Fi probably in connecting to the, uh, the hub that takes you out to the internet, but also then uh, Zigbee and Z-Wave. But because so much of this thing at the moment is, you know, aftermarket, it's post-install that you do yourself until you, you know, and obviously homes have a very, very long life cycle. So unless you're doing new build or extensive refurbishment, you're not going to make that effort and the products just aren't quite mature enough yet. So I actually think it's going to be a long way before we get rid of these kind of multiple hubs sitting behind the TV or in a cupboard somewhere. So change of pace then, guys. Do you remember when we talked about the Samsung and we uh, a few episodes back and we said we wonder, would they recover? How are they oh, going yes. to cope yes. with the Note 7 and this mm-hmm. kind of stuff? And, and what was the recovery strategy that we talked about with them? Uh, uh, your the, one, which I, I really liked, was the one that they would go big, big, big time on saying they're amazing uh, in terms of reliability now. And uh, I don't know if you happen to catch any Samsung advertising this week. May have, may, may have. have. Do enlighten us, do enlighten well, us. You well, sound I, rather confident, Ben. Well, look, I just donned my smuggest of smug pants. That's precisely what they've done this week. And now, whether or not it serves its purpose and it reminds people of the problem or you know, it reassures people, they've gone big on advertising in advance of the S8, all their testing. And they're really majoring on the amount of testing that their devices get. And I think they've precisely taken that strategy, mm, you know, sort mm. of turning a weakness into a strength. So, yeah. of course, if you want to know what the mobile industry is going to do about three weeks before it does it, when it's patently obvious, listen to the 361 podcast. The reason I mentioned that was on Twitter, when we are at 361 podcast, a friend of the show, Okar Leong, whose name no doubt I have got wrong, was asking, actually, do we think that Samsung can recover this year back in 2017, or are they now going to be vulnerable to take over from one of the Chinese brands in terms of mm. the sheer volumes that they sell? So. Let's get the sensible answer from Rafe Blanford first, because, you know, Rafeopedia. Well, I mean, the question about something brands interesting, because a Harris poll that came out, I think, last week, uh, looking at US consumers' views on Samsung, showed that they dropped from 7th to 49th in terms of how valued, how they were perceived. And so there's perhaps been a bigger impact than I suspected there would be when we talked about this last. Probably what happened was they, they, they spoke to me. <laughs> they, well, that, they, that's quite possible. You know, sample size and all that. But in reality, I do expect Samsung to maintain their position as number one in terms of volume of smartphones and mobile phones, Apple's number two, and those two are clearly the market leaders. But we are seeing a lot more momentum. We have done in the last few years from Chinese manufacturers, Huawei, kind of the poster child for that, given that they're number three in the market, but also the likes of Lenovo and some of the other big Chinese brands are definitely snapping at their heels. But I'm not sure that you know, the trouble that Samsung had with the Note 7 has really accelerated that. I think that was a trend that was already happening. Samsung was being eroded, particularly in the 
Chinese market, but also the Indian market where Xiaomi launched and it's actually been very successful, got very rapidly to 10 million shipments. We have got MWC coming up. I think it is going to be dominated by other manufacturers. Samsung have said they're not going to be announcing the S8 there. It's probably going to happen a couple of weeks later. There's still LG from Korea, but the attention I think will go to the Chinese manufacturers with the likes of Huawei and ZTE making announcements. And so it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. And Ewan, now you you said mm. at the beginning of this episode, you've got the um, Huawei, no, Huawei P9. Is it the P9 yep. or Mate 9 or whatever? P9. I, just, I, uh, anyway, the, no, the, I think the, it's the Mate 9, actually. The, the, the Huawei 9 thing. Yeah. And you also have the Samsung Galaxy S7. I do. Yeah. So hand on heart, given that there is probably a 30 to 40% price difference new retail in the UK on those devices, can you tell when you hold that in your hand as you use it, do you see £200 worth of value in the S7? No. There you go. So that, I go. think, is, is yeah. the other problem, is that Samsung don't necessarily need to make loads of more amazing phones to replace the S7 at the top end of the market. They possibly need to make those phones a great deal cheaper as well because, mm. I mean, you've said, Rafe, many times over, it's not a case that people settle for less. It's that actually those cheaper handsets are becoming good enough yeah that value equation is interesting and we but we should remember that samsung do offer a complete portfolio of products but who's been really affected by that actually it's apple and the reason that they've seen somewhat an erosion of their market position i mean they they had a record quarter they're still selling lots of iphones but proportionally you know smartphones are continuing to grow in sales and apple is getting a smaller piece of that pie it starts to become a problem just because you know, the, the latest figures from Gartner show that effectively Android's now getting to around 85% market share. It's crept up between 3 and 5% in the last 12 months or so. The reason that's interesting is because, of course, it gets to the point where even allowing for the high-end effect and even allowing for the fact that Apple has this kind of virtuous circle, it's going to become increasingly difficult for big brands, for retailers, for all the other app providers to go, should we do iOS first? And there's been a discussion at for a while now, you know, which one should you prioritize? You know, particularly when you're getting to that kind of percentage figure, do you put more investment into Android because that's where more of your customers are? Because I think to this point in time, you know, people have often and quite rightly said that iOS converts better or you get more revenue from it. And now that partly reflects its higher end users, but it partly also is kind of a self-fulfilling prophecy that if you put more onto iOS in terms of investment, then you're going to get a better return. You succeed where you try. Exactly right. And I think Android, you know, you can make a very strong argument now that you need to place a greater emphasis on that, especially if you're looking to address the full width of the market. And you know, those apps that do invest on Android are very notable for getting success. And you know, the, the biggest, you know, the Ubers, the deliveries of this world who have invested there have done very well. Yeah. And it's companies who struggle to justify investment in both iOS and Android now have a much more difficult question on their hand than they did 12 to 24 months ago. Okay, we're running out of time. So Matt Gainsford, new, I think a new follower, uh, certainly uh, first time. Hi, Matt. First, first time Twitter. Hello, Matt. Thank you for your uh, tweet. Ewan McLeod, he asked if we would be reviewing the Google Pixel. And I said to him, well, we don't really do reviews, but mm. in a sentence, what's your view of the Pixel devices, positive or negative? Uh, positive. Very positive. Uh, uh, a friend of mine, Andrew, hello, Andrew, is a huge Pixel fan. 
And actually all the photos that he sends and all the output from his device appears to be really high quality. He seems to love it. I haven't actually used it uh, in depth. I've got one in the office. I'm going to go and try it actually and see what it's like. And Rave Pixel is the new name for the Google manufactured or at least you know sort of owned products and they used yeah. to be ne- they used to be Nexus. Does this mark out the fact that Google wants to sell to consumers or is Pixel still a device for developers and techies and people who need a kind of a certain you know kind of Google version of Android to do their testing and development? I think Google would like it to have a wider audience but it doesn't really have the distribution chain to match that at the it's moment. Just, I've seen adverts in bus shelters for Pixel devices, which feels different from Nexus devices when they were almost defensive, saying, no, yeah. no, no, they're just for developers. And, and there's no question they're pushing it much harder. Yeah. But yeah. even so, the scale is still relatively small yeah. compared to other manufacturers and their relationships with operators. But what I would say is I would probably recommend, particularly for you know, kind of power users or those that really care about having the best Pixel is probably the Android phone of choice at the yeah. moment because, you know, it doesn't have all the stuff that comes from a device manufacturer. Now, some of the time that's very good. And if you're loyal to one manufacturer, you probably prefer their way of doing things. And so certainly, you know, it's harder to recommend, say, an S7 user switching to the Pixel rather than the S8. But if you're, you know, maybe got a mid-tier Android device or you're looking to switch from iOS, Google Pixel is probably at the top of the list at the moment. Okay. Right, we're out of time. Thanks for all your emails and tweets. So yeah, mm. you, you can contact us at uh, 361podcast.com. There's a form there. You can send us an email and you can reach us at 361podcast on Twitter or there's a comments underneath every post. Let's have a quick look at MWC. Now, I'm not going. Are you and McLeod, are you going to MWC? Nope. Rafe Blanford, are you going to MWC? Yes, I will be there for the week. Boo. I'm just jealous. I get that MWC has become less of a priority for some, but there is no conference that has that breadth of coverage of mobile and all the things that that now means you know the different verticals like automotive like health like industrial like you know and so when you think about iot and all of those things it's covered like nowhere else and so if you want to understand where mobile is now where it's going to be in five years and how it's going to impact us into both society and all the different things we talk about Mm. then I, i don't really think there's any other place you can get that does it have quite the same excitement and shiny no. toy syndrome as a no. few years ago? No, no. Yeah. but it's about evolution, not revolution. No, I, I, you're being very, very defensive, Blanford. Very <laughs> defensive. I think what you said about the future, in terms of the view of the future, is true. But I think the mistake is people go expecting to be told what the future will be. And they, they yeah. go to the oh. GSMA stand and they go to some of the consulting stands and they look at the fancy things. And for me you will see the future but no one will tell you it is and then weeks or months after the show themes or ideas or products will begin to bubble up and that's when it's useful but oftentimes the stuff that is being touted as the future and i'm thinking back to the last time i went and the gsma had this colossal smart cities display and there was nothing wrong I mean, internet of things is still a thing but i don't think it's as driven by mobile ecosystems as, as they no, would like i don't think say. that mobile mobile is not in the driving seat anymore at all. But you'll see things of use there, but they're not going to be spoon-fed them. So, Rafe Blanford, come on, tell us what you're looking forward to. Yeah, why are you wasting your time out there, Blanford? Well, I mean, I think the thing that's important to remember is MWC is an event that's kind of run by the Industry Association for Operators, and so it's always kind of orbited around that in the things they talk about. And when you talk about IoT, they're talking about the roles that operators can play there. And I think the reality is that mobile has shifted. And so when we think about mobile 
we don't think about an operator-centric view of the world. And so I, I, I think, think that's no one does. No one does because they try and crowbar operators and, into places they don't belong, and they do. And for me, I have to go there and bear that in mind yeah, and think about the perspective. And so it enables me to then synthesize from a, a kind of a high level view the things that are going to matter. But absolutely, the messages that come out of some of the keynotes, I think it's you have to take with a pinch of salt. But the thing I'm looking forward to seeing is, as I say, there just isn't that concentration anywhere else. And mobile touches on so many things. And, you know, Ewan's right in one sense. Mobile doesn't matter anymore because mobile is everything. It yes. is the great enabler. It is the primary computing device that people use. And probably the shift from, you know, when I first went 12 years ago is we now live in a predominantly mobile world. And that's a pretty yes. profound change. Yes. And still, if you want to understand what that's going to do in the next decade, and I believe it will be even bigger changes in the next 10 years than we've had in the previous 10 years, you know, it is the place to go and at least try and get an understanding of all the components that will add up to that, even if I feel that you have to do some of that adding up yourself in order to get a true view of what's going to happen. So, McLeod, you're, you're not going. Yeah. The, 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 the chief. And this is the first time I can go. What, 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 no, what I mean with that is I'm right? baffled because yeah. I've, li- I've yeah. literally seen you there. So uh, yeah, no, no, I, that, no, no. that's what, what, a logical one that, what, what? Sorry, I'm just looking at both of you, just staring in silence. Baffled. Okay. This is what the first I mean time I can go, except for the occasions I previously went, and the yeah, year I'm, I can the, actually go is the year I'm not going. It's the first time I can sensibly say I need to be there, and the company, Nordea, will pay for me to be there. I see. And actually... You have I, a business case. Yeah, there, there's a genuine business case for me to be there for three or four days, and actually I've decided not to. I've prioritised other events and other activities, because... I take what Rafe says, and actually, I, I will certainly follow what you say, Rafe, on Twitter. I'll have a look at some of the press releases, and I actually don't think I'm going to miss too much now. So I think I think MWC is over now. For us, it used to be about mobile device launches. Yes. It used to be about the strategy. It used Where to be things about are going. You could see it. You startups. could talk about it exactly. I, you know, I always used to remark when we were there that it didn't really matter what was happening because then. You know, two months later, Apple would do their keynote and tell us what the answer was, right? Yeah. Samsung would always you know, do their, their big keynote, and that was always relevant. They're not even bothering now. I don't think it's that useful See, to it, be there. You say that, and I agree with you. It's not about the Thank handsets you. anymore. You know, it's a nice thing to see, but honestly, I could follow the press releases online. What I don't think you don't get and you don't understand unless you're there is some of the big themes running through tech. And what I mean by that is things like, automation, like machine learning or machine intelligence, things like big data, how are they being applied on the mobile cameras? And the reason it matters is because mobile has a reach like nothing else. And so the ability for it to have an impact on consumers is so profound that there isn't any other area of both consumer, but also on the business side that, you know, you just get that synthesis. Now, you know, for someone like you, actually, you can actually- Turning into an apologist. You're turning into an apologist, you, Blanford. You can it's been a while follow me. since now, I the can qu- actually The question I'd ask is if you couldn't follow someone or you couldn't, you know, ring someone up and go, what's going on? Would you want to be there? Um, okay, well, so if we're back in 1995, then yes. But I'm not. And, and the, I don't necessarily care anymore what is happening on the infrastructure level. That, that, that is, is interesting and relevant to look at from a background information standpoint. But what I really care about is what's the consumer doing, what are the corporates thinking, and I don't know if you get that information walking around halls three, four, and five, or whatever. Yeah, you know, the ones where you've got 
just loads of very nice big companies all talking about stuff that I get, I buy, I know. Yeah, yeah. Okay. You, you so, definitely have to work harder to get the value out of it. But talking to the people on the ground there who are the experts in the industry, going to the seminars, seeing what is being talked about, what are the latest trends? So this time around, for example, there's clearly going to be a big emphasis on kind of machine intelligence, whether that's AI or machine learning. Or yeah, right. Okay, then go, so go you know, to the shows and the events about what's that? What's a mobile operator got to tell you about machine learning? Other than the fact that they're using it, great, and, and I would expect that. And maybe they're augmenting their network and they're doing some cool stuff. Great. What's that? How, how's that helping you and I? I think apologist Blanford. I didn't think I was going to get the opportunity to say that for quite a while. But there I, we go, Blanford. Blanford is trying to justify an event I, that I think is relevant to the mobile industry and not the rest of us. But I think mobile as an industry is not something you can constrain within just operators. No, it's just, hold and on a minute, so you need as far to as we understand right? the lessons that you can learn there and all the verticals attached to it are at a scale and are at a stage of development that means those lessons can then be applied elsewhere and frankly, this is sort of vital infrastructure to where we're going you know, as a society almost, yes. but you know, as yes, a business. Yes, but you don't need to be there. And it so is vital. understanding Absolutely. how that's becoming a utility in the same way that connectivity or water or electricity has is going to be really interesting. Do you need to also go to specialist conferences around some of these themes? Absolutely. But the sum is always bigger than you learn the, the way parts. more at CES. And that's what you get out of MWC. You don't get the individual view, you get the holistic view. Oh, so, I'm astonished. Astonished, Blanford. I want to touch on some topics and you can just say yes or no, or in a, in a sentence, is it going to matter? Is it going to be a theme of the show? Because when people are listening to this, yeah. they can look down their phones and see Twitter and tell us if we're right or wrong. So things that were CES, I think. Alexa in handsets or Alexa going mobile through the various APIs. Alexa in other... Oh, 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 sorry, sorry. I thought you were talking about CES. You mentioned CES. No, but I'm saying it was a big theme in CES, but that was oh, yes, all yes, consumer... Yes. That was all static. Yeah, right, 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 it was yeah. broadly static consumer electronics, yeah, yeah. I guess. I think that... It's it might, voice rather than just Alexa. But I, I think Alexa will be, will be a big one. So yes, McLeod. Right, yes, 70% concur. of the people walking around the halls, when you say voice, they're thinking of minutes, Blanford. <laughs> that's true that's true yeah sadly <laughs> so, there'll still be somebody at the show that calls handsets terminals yeah. and 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 undigest <laughs> explain to us a bit about machine learning because how's that going to come up oh no come on that does not matter in the context of mobile operator website show thing fair enough okay right that's that's the your mcleod thing let's move machine on. learning is business critical to everybody right okay look, not at mwc park the mouth and the haircut for just a moment then 5G. What is a 5G? Because I've seen a lot of talk about that. Faster. Move on. I, That's no. what rather we, an oversimplification what, what of what 5G anymore? is. And actually, we you're missing the point, Ewan, because anymore. 5G won't arrive until 2020. We'll hear lots about it at the show. What yep. matters next, you know, in day-to-day terms, is actually going to be how 4G is extended. And whether you want to call that 4.5G, you know, just as we had 3.5G. It's I think of, I've seen it called 4.9G. Yeah, that's the Nokia term for it. But actually, what it means really is getting 4G networks, 5G ready. That's things like turning down the latency, getting ready for the machine-to-machine stuff. And the reason that's so important is because actually that kind of automation of some of the machine learning that Ewan was referring to has Mm. to actually have a network that supports it. And that's where mobile is really critical from an infrastructure (laughs) point of view. Because you are going to turn on those things in a way that actually has to have an underlying support network. And so... Big theme I expect to see, low power, wide area networks. They've been around for the last few years, but we're going to see 
actually products being taken to the market from various providers that means all of those internet of things that get talked about at the consumer level at the moment will also be available to create smart cities, the industrial things on a scale and at an efficiency and at a cost that we haven't been able to do before. And that's why something like 5G and that's why mobile is still relevant. Yuma Cloud, let's talk about apps because there is often a, an apps world slash room slash hall slash uh, aircraft hangar of, of apps. I think you can tell that I have changed now with MWC. The apps world was always of interest, but just utterly, utterly irrelevant now. In the, I think if you go along, that's great. And if you're exhibiting, that's great. But you know, the world is bigger, way, way, way bigger. And to walk around MWC thinking it's important yeah, it's critical, absolutely critical. Mobile, the industry, is critical to all of us. But I, I don't need to be there. And I don't need to be there to say, Rafe, I agree. Bring on 5G, bring on low latency, absolutely. You know, big up Sigfox and all the cool stuff that they've been doing. Yeah, I don't need to be there, man. Right, because I'm, and most of us are now focused squarely on, you know, maybe five or six levels above now, right? We don't need to care about... The network. Just make it faster, please. Thank you. Make it more reliable. Thank you. I don't want to talk about it. It's a utility. Move on. Right? What am I missing? Other than the fact that you have to be there for work, Blanford, and you're trying to defend it. I, I definitely think there is a bit of utility. I mean, I'm, I'm looking forward to employing Ben's second law. Yes. Which says, so long as the words operator consortium appear <laughs> in the press release, it will <laughs> fail. And I have a 100% hit rate on that thus far, I feel. You do, you do. So I agree, it is a utility and it needs to be commoditized, but that's not an easy thing to make happen. And I think you can talk about all the things that sit above that and still be, you know, of value, really interesting. And a company like Jasper, for example, that Cisco bought, that effectively provides IoT services as a, a SaaS platform. That's interesting to think about because that's actually how you make these things mass market and cost effective. And Yes, you know, something like apps, not particularly interesting. Do you need to understand all the tools that can make that as efficient as possible? So there is an SDK being announced. You know, it's a boring thing, but actually it solves one of the problems with network performance by doing some edge of network, clever caching and various other things. That's interesting. But also we don't just talk about apps now. We talk about this great extension and the canvas on which we now operate. It's not just apps. It's actually all those interfaces through which you'll be able to talk to these underlying services. Spotify is a great example. It started with an app and you can also use it in a browser, but actually it's becoming far more common now to use it through something like Sonos or an Alexa speaker or in your car. And that's what I mean by the great extension. We had so much focus for the first kind of five years I was at MWC on convergence, everything going down to a single device. And now what we're seeing is that opening up to a much broader spectrum, a much wider canvas. And yes, you know, it isn't at the core of what MWC was about. But if you're going to understand what powers that and how that is enabled, I think it's still important to be there. And it's almost as if this, for me, is kind of the one show where you get that. What I'd love to see, though, is a branch of sister shows or daughter shows, which focused on some of the things that Ewan's talking about, quite rightly, five or six levels above the network, because those are important and those are the things that are going to shape us. But in order to really have a proper understanding and grounding of that, You can't just dismiss the network and infrastructure as a utility. You need to understand what are the technologies that enable you to make best use of that. You asked about machine learning. That could be something as simple as densification of a network and understanding which bits you can afford to switch on and off at night so it becomes power efficient. Why do we even care about that? Because suddenly that means the cost of using that network drops by 50%. That opens up a bunch of opportunities for connected devices that you just didn't have before. 
And so if you just dismiss it as a commodity, it doesn't need to be a commodity. It needs to be a smart commodity because otherwise we won't be able to maximise or extract the full value from it. Well, you and I think that is the answer we would expect from a man who Instagrams concrete structures. Indeed. Right. Rafe Blanford, will you go to Barcelona, eat all of the ham and the salt yeah, Have some nice tapas. Have some lovely tapas yeah. and enjoy meeting all of the interesting people. And there will be some, there are yeah. some cool people going. I have yeah, to say, say hello I, to everyone. Yeah, I yeah. miss the social you, you element. You have basically got my secret. I go to MWC because I like the ham. Rafe Blanford is the a ham monster. Yes. There are some fun people there. If anything Sorry. accidentally interesting happens, perhaps you'll come back and I'll tell let us. You know, yeah. Can you send us a photo of one of these really disgusting rubbish baguettes that they serve at MWC? I'll send you a picture of my emergency Mars bar. Emergency yes. Mars bar. Okay. Yeah. I think that's going to be the name of my band when I start one. It's Rafe Blanford and the Emergency Mars Bars. Okay, we should wrap up. We're over time. I've got a quick plea. At the end of March, I'm going to be in Austin, Texas for a work thing, which is going to be very exciting. I know there are loads of interesting sort of mobile things and tech and social media stuff happening in Austin. I have one day to myself. Who should I go and see, talk to? What should I visit? If you are in the area or you just know because you've been there, please drop us a note at 361podcast on Twitter or 361podcast.com, along with any of your feedback, to be honest. So or welcome any suggestions, please. Great cinema there, Ben. There's a great cinema there. I'd mm. like to do something mobile or digital or something. It feels like an opportunity wasted. So rarely do I get to go to other bits of the States that aren't oh, Washington. Some cool stuff in Austin. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And obviously it's where South by Southwest is hosted, mm. so it's a real hub for things. And I feel like I should you know, more than just going to eat all the barbecue, which I will do, by the way. I will eat all the barbecue. Yes, but in yes. addition to that, I'd, I'd like to go and meet some people or see a thing or something. So recommendations, yeah. please. Thank you very much. We should say some thank yous. Thank you to our host, Digital LBI, for allowing us to use their space to record in. Thank you to Mark at audiowrangler.co.uk, who, looking at the time on this recording, probably will have spent a week hatcheting this down into some kind of uh, viable recording. Thank you to my co-hosts, Rose Planford. Thank you, Ben. Cloud. Always Lots a pleasure. Absolutely. Thank you to the good people at Skype that make software that works on the 10th time of asking. Uh, that was not frustrating trying to record using Skype today. And we will be back next week with a proper episode with a theme and thoughts and things we have planned. Bye-bye.